Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Oh, yeah. That is us. This is Cinebuds. <laughs> I am Buddy One, Justin Barney from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. And I'm Christopher Pollard from uh, Milwaukee Film, I believe. Yes, and I think that Milwaukee Film is, what are they, putting on some kind of, nope. some kind of thing? Nope, schedule is all clear. <laughs> this this uh, next week, yeah, October 18th, starts the Milwaukee Film Festival. Oh, boy. <laughs> Film Festival is... Possibly my favorite thing that Milwaukee does every year. I love it. Yeah. So this this week right here, we are doing a film festival omnibus where we are talking about why we love the film festival, what right. the film festival is, and if you have never been there before, or if you are, we're going to kind of guide you on maybe some hints, some tips. Yeah. Little way Give in. Give you an overview of what the festival has to offer. And then... As a bonus part of the larger conversation, our very own Tariq Moody had a conversation with John Ridley, who wrote 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, Oscar winner. Oscar John winner. That's a good interview, man. So stick around for that for the full, long conversation. But let's go into the film festival omnibus. Yeah. Christmas. First of all, I should address the fact that I have a bit of a cold. Yes. And lucky for you listeners, you my suck. voice is crazy sexy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about a cold. Um, so, yeah. The film festival. Tell us what is the film festival? Yeah. Give us the rundown. Milwaukee Film Festival is 15 straight days of hundreds of movies at five locations around town. Uh, you have directors and subjects and actors all coming in. Sometimes they'll appear after the film and do a Q&A. Uh, you have conversations about the films afterwards. You have parties. You have like little like lectures and panels you can go to. It is so much fun. Uh, and there's a lot to do. You will never be bored. Um, also, did I mention movies? There's movies. Yes. Yeah, that's the main uh, part. Why do we do the film festival? The festivals are fantastic because... Even with even with great theaters that we have here in uh -huh. Milwaukee, and I mean New York, for instance, obviously they have tons of different kinds of movie theaters that show a lot of different work. But film festival is a chance to get them all of these uh, interesting voices, interesting perspectives, and film that don't often make it to bigger theaters or even independent theaters. You only have so many. This is a chance to see a ton of them in one place. And kind of see who the next wave of like impressive, important filmmakers are going to be. And it's a lot of one big misconception people have about film festivals is that it's like very elite and it's like oh, very highbrow films. Mm -hmm. There are, there definitely are those, but there's also fun, stupid stuff too. It's <laughs> the the best thing about the festival is that there's a movie for every taste. Totally. This will be since I moved back to Milwaukee. It's, this will be my fifth festival oh, it's great. straight and i love the festival because i love like i of course i love the movies but i love seeing the entire city of milwaukee yeah. come together and come out for art yeah. and for films right. it's really seeing that is super inspiring to me every year you bring in the alloy orchestra to do like a live soundtrack yeah. for like an abstract silent film silent 
film from like the 1920s, and that is my favorite because I I remember you had the Man with the Movie Camera once. Oh yeah, and I have been to a I had been to a screening of the Man with the Movie Camera in Milwaukee before, yeah. and I was one of five people <laughs> at that. And then I see the Oriental Theater packed, packed. yeah, and sold out, top and bottom. It is absolutely because inspiring. if the idea of an abstract silent film does not appeal to you, you are wrong. Yeah, uh, because you go there and there's a live orchestra doing the music to it, and the whole place is just electric. Like it's it's one of the most popular uh, films that we have, the events that we have every year. And it's crazy. It's like you have movies that are highbrow and lowbrow, and but it makes those. It makes everything better when there is a theater full of people. Oh, there. yeah. And you're right. The crowd and the community really make it happen. It's like, I mean, it's very comparable to Summerfest. People go out in throngs to see a lot of different bands all over the place, and they want to see them together. Yeah, you could listen to them online, but there's nothing like seeing it live. There's nothing like seeing a movie in a movie theater with a ton of people. It's that kind of group viewing experience. And one of the my favorite parts of a film festival is often people's least favorite parts, which is the lines. And they're not, and people exaggerate. The lines aren't that, I mean, they, they may get physically long, but you don't stay in line that long. It's just right. there's a lot of films to wrangle, so it's very different than going to, like, a multiplex, like, where you just walk in. Yeah. You've got to arrange stuff and make sure everyone gets in on time, blah, blah, blah. But in the Midwest, <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think it's it's not just specific to the Midwest, but it's really heavy in the Midwest. People are so friendly, and it is a great opportunity. People will come, like, what have you seen? Oh, you know what I saw you so you got to check this out. Um, and you either get to know people or get to know what they're watching and what they want to see. Yeah. I've gone to other fests, similar, well, one in Missouri, where I, like, went to see a movie based on suggestions I got in two different lines. Yeah. And it's the, for me, it's that festival atmosphere that we're all here doing something together yeah and it's like this whole big event for two weeks that really makes it for me in the long conversation we're going to talk about like best practices of the festival yeah and kind of if you're going i was gonna say if you're going for the first time how to do it but it just we're like our approaches yeah the way that you approach the festival and i'm going to talk about the way that i approach the festival and more about what we love and then at the end of the long conversation Tariq Moody is interviewing Oscar-winning John Ridley, so make yeah. sure that you check that out, too. The film festival is going out. Like, hit us with the dates. Yeah, October 18th. That's uh, next Thursday. It starts with our opening night film and party, and then uh, starting the next Friday, which is the 19th, then it's just all-day movies at five different places until November 1st. Those five different places are the Oriental Theater. Uh, Avalon, uh, The Times, uh, Fox Bay Cinema Grill, and a new little pop-up place that we made in the Kenilworth building right next to the Oriental Theater called the Jan Sayre uh, Studio. Ooh. Yeah, it'll be a nice little sweet space. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank, proud supporter of Milwaukee Film, offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to Milwaukee Film at associatedbank.com slash mkefilm. Member FDIC. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. pride, 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 pride.
And oh, <laughs> oh, hi, I didn't see you there. I thought we were going to take a little break, did you? Yeah, I did. Um, we're talking about, we're doing the Milwaukee Film Festival Omnibus. Mm-hmm. It's, because it's, Omnibus it's a bus a that contains fun. all things. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about how I approach the movie. So the movie guide is out. It is literally a book. Yeah. Program book has a spine this year. It does. So I'm saying you bound it. And so now I'm like, this is a thing that you have to keep yeah. forever. This it's a is, shelf now book. it's officially it's bound and you can't. It's throw a classic it. shelf book. So, um, <laughs> I was thinking ways to see movies and ways that I approach it. So I'm gonna give three, three things that you should do. Yeah. If you're going to the movies, if you're trying to think like what and the, the guide is overwhelming. And it has, so it has all the inform- It's an omnibus in itself. Yeah, truly. The, the program book, pick it up. So it has all it the films, all the programs. It's broken down by programs, so you can kind of know what themes you're looking at. It has all the events. It tells you how to buy tickets. It, I mean, it's got all the information in there you need. Table of contents, like a like a book. Look at that. Man. So I'm going to tell you how I run through it. Yeah. This is how I do it. I'm like, I, I have the privilege of having a press pass, so oh, nice. I can get to go to, like, I could basically just like camp out at a theater and then can see things. But uh, how I approach the the program guide, if I was just seeing three things, this is what I do. Don't do that. This is what I would see do. 100, but see a hundred. See a hundred. But if what we're gonna say if you see in a fictional three. world where you can only see three things. Yes, these are the three that I would definitely do. Yeah, I would definitely. Go to a spotlight presentation. But spotlight yeah. presentation, you want to give us a rundown of what spotlight, spotlight is? Spotlight is like a great way to dip your toe into the festival. It's right. a lot of films that a lot of different kinds of people can enjoy. Yeah. And Spotlight also encompasses our big three, our opening night, our closing night, and our centerpiece films. But these are films that can appeal to a, a broad audience. Is so there- you, it's a safe bet. It's a, it's the safe bet. It's yeah. like the all the ones in the spotlight are going to be great. Yeah. No matter what, yeah. um, so you should definitely see one of those. Yes, yeah. I'm gonna point the direction. I mean, you definitely should go to Stop Making Sense. Stop Making oh, yeah, Sense yeah. is a true party. Yeah, that is. happens in the first. Do you remember yeah. the first year? It was like a couple people dancing in the back. Yeah, and most people were sitting. Yeah, and then we'd clap after the songs, and I was like, "Oh, how fun! We're yeah. clapping <laughs> as yeah. if we're like at this concert." And now people just show up. Yeah. And last year I didn't sit down. No. I was just like, we're we're standing this whole time. We're dancing. It is yeah. an absolute party. If you go about. to this, don't plan on sitting in your seat because you won't be able to see anything. Yeah. I watched. I peeked from the balcony. I snuck in the balcony. Uh-huh. Don't do that. I'm staff. I'm allowed. <laughs> um, and I just looked because I wanted to look down and see the mm-hmm. whole thing. I mean, the moment the thing starts, everyone on their feet, people dancing through, not just stationary, like little lines going through the aisles, people going back and oh, forth. Yeah. People dance for 90 minutes. Yeah, there's a bit in Life During Wartime where David Byrne runs around the drum set, yeah. runs on the whole stage, and every time, every year during that part, I do a yeah. lap around <laughs> the whole theater yeah. because it's super fun. It's quite an experience if you've never checked out, even if you don't know who the talking heads are. First of all, you should, uh, so check that out. And if but you haven't seen it, it's, it's a great way. It's a the great, first yeah. year was the first year that I saw Stop Oh, yeah, sense. that's amazing. And so it was amazing. Yeah, that's 
also in spotlight is we were talking about Ally Orchestra. Oh yeah, doing uh, a bit. They are they're doing a page of madness. Yeah, it's nice because this year we've moved our dates, so we're a little bit across. You know the uh, Halloween uh, yeah. border. So this one is a little bit of a Halloween vibe. Yeah, it's a silent Japanese movie from 1926. And I can't imagine a movie that is better for Ella. It's about madness. (laughs) (laughs) I am super looking forward to that. And like I said before, it's every time I look out and I'm like, if you just screen this in Milwaukee, a silent Japanese film from 1926, there would be five people there. But it is absolutely awe inspiring. Bring in an orchestra. Yeah. Full of people to see a silent movie from 1926. All right. So see one spotlight. And then. I would see a short. Here's the thing. I would see a whole shorts program. If you leave after one short, <laughs> you've lost a lot of money, I feel like. See what I did? Oh, very funny. Very funny. <laughs> the I'm, sh- I'm, I'm going to say this real quick. Yeah, go for it. We have, and I am I know I work there and everything, we have the best shorts programs in the country. Anna Sampers does yeah. the programming, and I remember the first year. Because I go to... The Oscar-nominated shorts. Yeah, they screen them at the Oriental every yeah. year, and I go to see those, and it is like seven variations of the, of same, the same thing. Yeah. It's like a cute little animal, silent, you know, seven-minute short, yeah. and there's like some more at the end. It's like it's cute, and yeah. like a lot of them are like touching in some ways, but, um, but they're very, very similar. They're very, very similar. And the first time that I went to a shorts program, it was this. I remember the one that stuck out the most was like this yarn. It was yarn-based, a (laughs) yarn-based short film, and it just, like, went from one thing to the next, and I was like, what is Wait, yarn like a story or yarn like physical, like thread? Yarn like physical thread. Oh, interesting. It was like the characters were made of, like, yarn. Oh, it was like animated, animated. Yeah, it was like animated. Yeah. (laughs) Like a, what do you call that? Short, the stop animation? Oh, yeah, yeah. Stop animation. And uh, um, they're weird. Yeah. Dolphin Lover? Dolphin, one one of the top three most talked about. Shorts we've ever had. Well, here's the thing about the shorts program. Just like the festival as a whole, it represents it because there's a themes for all the different shorts programs. You can see nonfiction theme. You can see uh, the stories about family. You can date night is the most popular one. Mm. Um, which and then you can go to the midnight shorts, which you shouldn't. That's how I no. That's how I advertise. Don't go to the midnight shorts. Mm. And if you're the kind of person that says, "Well, now I want to," then yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, because they're messed up. Yeah, she's so sweet seeming, and she's got darkness in it. Yes, she does. Um, But honestly, she does the best job of putting in each category has a theme, but she has a variety within each category. Mm -hmm. And honestly, some of the best shorts that you'll see will be at our festival because she she's one of the best. So weird, yeah, and they're so good, absolutely. Okay, and then there are a number of what do you call these? What do you call the? Shorts are, is better. Shorter is better. Oh, programs. Programs. Yeah, yeah. They're so all the di- sound vision. Yeah, film programs or categories. Yeah. Um, I said I'm going to do three, but let's do four. Yeah, I, I think fine. you should find one of those that speaks to you. And uh, like Film Feast. Well, the one that speaks to me the most, and I'm not shamelessly pandering. Sure. And I totally would, is Arts and Artists. And oh. I know that I. Who programs that? <laughs> Some handsome fellow, I assume. Art and artists, uh, they're movies about art, art and artists. Yeah. 
Look at that. I like to be really straightforward. And they're they're all really fantastic, and I love people talking about art. Yeah, yeah. And uh, creatives being creative. <laughs> and I know that that's for me. That's a category that I I know that I'm gonna love whatever's in there. So yeah. find the category that speaks to you and see something from that. Yeah. Do you enjoy art and artists? I do enjoy art and also the people who make it which are referred to as artists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they. It's. I've seen some of the most phenomenal ones. Before I even worked at Milwaukee Film, I saw this movie called uh, Wasteland uh, by Lucy Walker, I believe, and uh, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, I w- I'm like, I want to see more and more of these. We had, um, before we had an art and artist program, we had Beauties Embarrassing with Wayne White, and that was one uh, of my best that was- film festival experiences yeah i mean these films if you like art even if you don't think you do you're wrong i mean everyone likes art no one can say that um these movies are fascinating and fun how do the artists how do the programs come to be i mean i think for this one and i think like most of them you just you kind of see what people gravitate yeah. toward in the bigger categories like documentaries and fiction and whatnot. Sure. And we have a great art scene here. So it makes yeah. sense. Same with sound vision. Mm-hmm. Music is a huge part of Milwaukee and people go see those movies. Um, and we have new categories this year too that are filling new niches that we... What uh, are the um, new categories? The new categories are uh, teen screen. These I are films chosen by and for teens. Rad. Yeah. Uh, and then we have genre queer which is LGBT programming, uh, which is really exciting. One of my favorite movies, uh, Ideal Home, uh, with Steve Coogan and Paul Rudd. Awesome. Uh, that one is so much fun, and that one's in that program. Um, and then we also have Das Kino is our German film program. Cool. We used to have a passport cinema, which every year we'd choose a different country and highlight it. Yeah. Um, but and we, ha- we have since not done that, but... Uh, but we are going back to our German program that we did that year was the most popular. And there's a huge German heritage yeah. in Milwaukee, Milwaukee. And those yeah. films do really well. And there's great films in it this year. One called Western, which is one of my favorites of the year. So how do you program these? So you do art and artists. Yeah. You do six films. So what is the process of programming? Watch a lot of them. Yeah. So we, I, I mean, a lot of the programming staff will go to do festivals. Like send- do yeah. people do people send you stuff and you yeah. go to festivals? Well, people send us stuff. We reach out for stuff when we look at other what other festivals are playing and we say, oh yeah, we should watch that and that and that. Um, and then I go to festivals as well and see what's what's playing. And it's really great to see with an audience because you can kind of see the reaction too. So like, how I just want to like key in on one. So the price of everything is yeah. one that's ours. How did that? How did you pick that? That one, one I actually did see at uh, a festival in Missouri. Um, with a huge audience and I was really I it was very good it's it's about a very specific part of like the art scene that seems like it might be boring it's about collecting and how prices work I what, love how, that. that's like very much but it is, oh yeah but it is fascinating and there's incredible um, art icons contemporary art icons yeah. in the film talking about it so you really get an interesting view of it and it's frustrating to watch because some of it is based like these this artist price going through the roof sure. for arbitrary reasons. Oh yeah. Um it's really interesting and then uh when I watched it uh you know when, when there's a Q&A sometimes like if you get half the people to stay for the Q&A. Oh my god, I love the Q&A. Yeah, Q&As it's really are great. one of my favorite parts just because there is just such a dose of madness yeah. in the Q&As. <laughs> it's like 
Anything can happen. You <laughs> give a live mic to an audience. Oh my God. You're just asking for trouble. And I love it. It's fun. It's fun. People ask great questions and the the filmmakers are ready for them. But yeah. this one, uh, every like almost everyone stayed. They were fascinated to hear to hear That's what awesome. the guy had to say. So then so then you see it at this festival and you're like, I want that one. Yeah. So then what do you do? You, we you ask, can we have that? And then they say yes, hopefully. How do you find out who to ask? Um, it's a lot of the information is out there. IMDb. I mean, all the information on who distributes it. If they don't reach out to the filmmaker, you find contact information pretty well. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's the boring stuff, but it's, it takes a lot of work. Cause that's like stuff that we don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like, how does this whole thing come yeah. together? You reach like, out distributors if they're, but actually distributors, a lot of these are undistributed. So it's a lot of production company or. Just the individual sometimes you have to reach out to, like the director, if if it's really new or low budget. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So find a category that speaks to you. Yeah. And see something. And then I would suggest find a category that doesn't, that not necessarily doesn't speak to you, but f- find something that you wouldn't normally approach. Normally approach. That is, I think that's the best advice for the festival, especially because. I am telling you, I'd say half the time you go out there and you, I'm going to see this movie. This movie does not look like something that would appeal to me or this like seems like something that's really out there. I don't know if I'd be into it. You're going to be surprised. Yeah. Like find a, a spot in your schedule that works, you yeah. know, be like, you know, Thursday night, I have time yeah. and just see what's playing that night and maybe arbitrarily pick one, yeah, you know, because those are, it's like, I get to just like camp out at the oriental and just yeah. see whatever is playing and that's always the best when i ha- right. i have no idea i'm just like mm, i yeah. don't know this one's playing in this theater i'll go see this and those have been some of my best experiences oh yeah coming out and being like wow i had no idea what this was going in yeah. and i had if i would have like looked at the thumbnail picture and read the description i might not have right. seen it but wow the film festival is a rare opportunity to have access to these particular films in the theater, I would use it to really expand what you might like. I've seen stuff at festivals where I thought, oh, I kind of have to see this because uh-huh. this might be good for something Sniffs I should tell somebody. Oscars. And I loved it. And I was like, kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this. But it was one of my favorites. Yeah. You'll be surprised how often uh, you'll f- come out with a new favorite if it's something you wouldn't normally approach. Yeah. And then my favorite thing of the festival, aside from the movies, is all the stuff that happens around it. I love the opening night yeah. party. I love the closing night party. I love the freaking Q and A's. I love yeah, the Q and A's are great. The there's just there's a feeling in the air, you know, where a whole bunch of people are together. There's the feeling of like we're doing this thing together. Yeah. Of we're seeing films together. Oh, we're talking about so films. community. It's like it's such a come together kind of thing. And yeah, the CUNYs are amazing because these are artists. I mean, there's are filmmakers uh, which are who are nuts. And then subjects of documentaries. You got to be fascinating to be a subject of a whole documentary. Um, it's some actors. You know fascinating personalities crowd that's right i mean these are fascinating people and you get to hear them talk about the thing you just watched also you can some of these have conversations you can go out with audience members talk with each other about the film um you can go to a panel talking about like one that i'm excited about again art and artist is one about um visual and performance artists in film and there's local artists having a panel discussion about how 
essentially were perceived in film. That's awesome. There's all sorts of really cool stuff. And then there's fun little parties here and there. Check out the book. It has all the parties listed. Yeah. Uh, there actually is no closing night party. I should mention that in case anyone's disappointed. I'll have a closing night party. Come to my house. Yeah. The closing night party <laughs> is at Justin Barney's apartment. Uh, everyone should come. Yes. No cover. Yeah. Um, what's What's the secret film you're looking to forward to the most? Oh, man, that's so difficult. I have two quick ones. One yes. is uh, in the competition program. Competition yeah. is where all like all those filmmakers are newer filmmakers. They're going to be huge. Uh, in pre- past years, we've showed Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight. Uh, we've, showed, we've showed filmmakers uh, who've gone on to become bigger ones. Anyway, there's a, a hilarious documentary, and I love funny docs, mm-hmm. called Playing Men. And I'm going to talk about it again before the this okay, is, yeah, the weeks know. are through. Playing men is about these strange games and sports that are played throughout Eastern Europe. It's filmed in such a way. I mean, they're so funny on their own, but it's filmed in such a way that just makes the laughter grow. I saw it with an audience. I've never seen an audience so engaged. We oh, all we that. all went, oh, like we all like we're as if we were watching sports. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, it was really oh, funny. That, that one's great. And then I love the centerpiece of film, Wild Nights with Emily, which is a fiction film starring Molly Shannon about Emily Dickinson. Yeah. Which is a comedy, and it talks about this theory about her life, about Emily Dickinson's life, because there's not a lot known about her. So this yeah. is one theory, and it plays it out. And it's a really interesting, really fun and funny movie. Um, and then after that movie, there's a party uh, at the Gallery Kenilworth, which is right across the street, celebrating women in film and um, uh, women filmmakers. So cool. it's going to be par- a great movie, party, celebrations. What more could you want? That's a that's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And we could talk for another like half hour about this. And we're going to next week. And we're going to next week, yeah. So, yeah, next week we're going to talk about Good Point. I was about to, like, go over old films that I loved at the festival yeah. and, like, who is... All right. Yeah, that's um, good, too. Yeah, so next week we're going to be talking about some of our favorites. Right after this, um, Tariq Moody is talking to John Ridley. Oscar winner, John Ridley. Oscar winner. That'll you be nice. al- must always be presented as an Oscar <laughs> yeah, that's winner true. once it happens. I would insist on it um, if I won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is happening in uh, just a couple seconds. But first, Cinemas is produced by Tyrone Miller. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Tyrone, insulting. <laughs> and uh, we have handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Our theme song is from the NUSK. <laughs> uh, help from Associated Bank and your membership. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts at you just search Cinebuds. And uh, next week, we're talking about more film festival action. Yeah, we're going to dig into our most anticipated films of mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Milwaukee Film Festival Omnibus. Yeah. All right, see you next week. See you. See you. Hi, John. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, again, my name is Tariq from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. I think we met a couple times when you were here. I believe so. Good to speak to you. Good speaking to you. Uh, just want to congratulate you on no studios. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's been a long time coming, but we could not be more excited about it. Cool. Um, speaking of uh, no studios, First off, what inspired you, what inspired the concept of No Studios, and then why Milwaukee for No Studios? 
Well, uh, is it all right? Let me start with the second part of that question first. I mean, Milwaukee, it's where I was born. It's where I was raised. It's my home. It's where my parents still live. My uh, younger sister, her family is there. It's, uh, you know, it's an amazing city. It's a great city. Every, almost every thing out of my life, you know, happened because of being there in the environment and, uh, you know, encouragement that I, I, I received from people. And it's a, a kind of place where, you know, no disrespect to, New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, but uh, you, know, you can accomplish things there and you're just one among millions. But Milwaukee has always made me feel as though the accomplishments that I've been able to achieve really resonate with folks back home and in the city and frankly across the state. So at this point of my career and this point in my life to be able to bring an environment where we want to encourage people, uh, traditionally disenfranchised people, uh, people who traditionally are not encouraged, to be creative, to um, make choices about how they express themselves that are um, positive because people are willing to listen and they can um, they can be pure entertainment, they can be political, they can be insightful, but at the same time they are um, uh, they have impact in uh, the public square. That's why Milwaukee. Um, we could have tried to do something like this in New York, and this goes to your question of inspiration. There are other models like this. I wish I could say that I was so creative and independent-minded I'd come up with something that doesn't exist anywhere else. But there are places like this, like Soho House or New House or WeWorks. But there wasn't anything like this in Milwaukee um, in general with the common shared space work areas, but certainly ones that catered to individuals who were um, creative and most importantly ones where, in particular, um, people who are, um, by the prevailing culture, other, other eyes, um, told that, no, this is a space that is by us for everyone, but particularly for you. Um, and you can come and you can be welcome, you should be welcome, you will be welcome in this space. And if you come with the idea that you're going to be a partnership in creativity, by all means, we want you to be here and we want to find ways to help you and support you and nurture you. Okay. Um, a lot of big component of no studios is dealing with film. Um, and then you, 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 as you said before, you're very proud of Milwaukee, go a lot to Milwaukee. What is your vision for the city when it comes to film? I mean, what do you see no studios contributing to? What is your dream for Milwaukee in the realm of film and the creative fields? Well, I think there are two separate issues and some of them as we've been talking to people and as we introduced now they've been conflated and one of the things uh, that we have to try to do is separate uh, what we want to do it now with larger conversations about the film industry in general whether that were in Milwaukee whether it's in uh, Georgia or uh, Louisiana or places like that that have um, attracted a preponderance of the filming that's going on those kinds of questions about actually attracting filmmaking, um, those are larger issues. Those are ones that have to take place in Madison and they have to take place over time. It's about building incentives and a proper incentive program where people want to come and make films because they're getting uh, some kind of a rebate, but also rebates that don't bleed the state and don't bleed the taxpayers, but really incentivize um, productions to come and to spend money. And as far as I'm concerned, there's no money like entertainment money because you're bringing work, you're bringing, um, you know, when people deal with post-production, it's science, it's technology. It's not just acting and writing, but also, you know, when I travel and I'm shooting, I end up bringing my family or, you know, family members come and they stay in hotels and eat in restaurants. And so that's money that bleeds into all parts of communities. That, again, is a larger conversation and one that as an individual, 
um, I would certainly be happy to have any time or try to help spearhead, uh, again, working with uh, the administration or administrations because it's a long-term process, to try to build that kind of financial infrastructure. Same as uh, you do with Foxconn, same as you do when you build a new sports stadium. You know, you have to have these partnerships, and people really have to have an understanding of the give and take that's necessary for everyone to run in a space where there is um, there's an equitable distribution of uh, the finances. What we want to do with no studios, that's more of an incubator. What we're talking about is individual artists, um, people who, um, whether it's cross-pollinization, whether it's encouragement, whether it's having a space. You know, we have long-term tenants, we get short-term tenants. You know, people want to join for a month. People want to join while they're working on a project, um, but need a space to work, need a third space. Um, need a space where they can feel safe and protected as they create it. You know, there's a, there's a they don't stereotype of young writers in Hollywood that you hang out in coffee shops and you write. Um, part of that is because, you know, when you're younger, maybe you're sitting in an apartment, you don't have a lot of places to go and you just want to get out. Part of that is also being around like-minded people where you can share ideas, um, where you can cross-pollinate, when you, where you can um, pitch things back and forth. Uh, that's one of the fundamental elements of just creativity. So across the board, in terms of dealing with individuals, dealing with small productions, dealing with um, uh, building conduits, so that there are people who are ready, ready in terms of the work that they're doing, ready mentally and emotionally to try to go out in the larger world. Uh, what can we do to provide a conduit so that they can uh, meet with and pitch and deal with folks who are building productions? Similarly, part of that conduit is trying to get people uh, to focus on Milwaukee. There are any number of, I'm not the only creative person to ever come out of Milwaukee by mm-hmm. any stretch. Um, so to get individuals to understand that Milwaukee is not just 90 miles north of Chicago. It's a city that is vibrant. It's a city that is full of creative individuals. It is a city that is, um, you know, is unique. You know, it has that uh, small town charm, but at the same time is very progressive in many ways. Uh, we want to be able to uh, be part of that, getting people outside of, uh, outside of Wisconsin. You know, there are a lot of people. I mean, look, I love the city, uh, and, and it distresses me sometimes when, I say I'm from Milwaukee, and people go, oh, Vernon and Shirley. And I'm like, wow, that's really all you know about Milwaukee is a TV show that was on 35 years ago. Wonderful TV show, that happy days. But there's more to it than that. And there's more that deserves to be paid attention to to Milwaukee than just when the Brewers are doing exceptionally well, or just when the Bucks are doing very well. Um, and then most importantly for us, again, is to take individuals who are not normally encouraged to speak in different voices, to share their stories and their perspectives that are not only valid, but becoming increasingly um, financially successful in the marketplace and say, hey, you know what, uh, if you need encouragement, if you need a place to work, if you, um, you know, if we're having workshops, we're having talkbacks, we're having those kinds of things, know that uh, this is a space where we are trying to create an environment where it's as much about you as it is about us. Okay. Um Speaking on the, the 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 idea of trying to kind of make Milwaukee kind of inst- in a kind of place for film, where people can come and spend money on production and stuff. I'm originally from Atlanta, and growing up, and I'm I'm, I'm now haven't been back for a long time. Seeing that how Atlanta has transformed into this huge place for film, is that yeah. something you'd like to see happen in Milwaukee as well? Like maybe Milwaukee become this kind of capital of film in the Midwest. Is that kind of the ultimate goal you like to see? Or? Well, I, I certainly would say I'd love to see people having jobs. I'd love to see people having jobs that are focused on a career that has been um, 
nothing but good to me and for me and has allowed me to share stories that, uh, you know, whether it's Red Tails or whether it's 12 Years of Slave or American Crime, um, deal with very tough subject matter. Uh, so to be able to take that uh, out into the world but have that originate in a place like Milwaukee would be wonderful. Again, that's a long-term process. And what is really interesting to me is that you have places like Georgia or like Texas or like Louisiana that traditionally the administrations are very conservative, Mm -hmm. uh, generally Republican, but they see the value in supporting an industry that brings hundreds of millions of dollars into their state and also generates billions of dollars in revenue that uh, returns here to uh, the United States of America. So, you know, we talk about bringing jobs back and we talk about uh, you know, how do we, how, you know, what, what are, you know, manufacturing, it would be great if manufacturing was still here. It would be great if, you know, the auto industry didn't have to compete with cars from around the world. Um, we still have an edge in entertainment, and the entire world will turn out for Black Panther or Wonder Woman or Get Out. Um, you know, even Moonlight did better overseas than it did here in, in the States. So there is an international appetite for entertainment. And uh, in the world we live in, why would we not want to take advantage of places where the American know-how uh, is still preeminent? So absolutely. I mean, in general, I love to work. But every time I work, I just shot a film in, uh, in Vancouver because that's where the incentives were. If I could have shot that film in Milwaukee you know, and invited my parents to the set and brought money in town and, and brought my famous friends, would I have done that? Absolutely. But currently there aren't incentives. So, and by the way, once there are incentives, you have to have crews, you know, because the first question you get asked is where are the incentives and where are we going? The second question that people ask is, well, how are the crews there? So Milwaukee can have incentives, but then you've got to build these crews, or I should say the state of Wisconsin will have incentives, but you've got to build these crews. So we want to make sure that people are prepared for those opportunities and down the road as, a, as an individual, and I'm talking about me, John Ridley, I'm not talking about no studios, we want to be able to create those opportunities. So you're speaking on the crews, how, let's say there's a pathway and, and, and Wisconsin's government is looking at incentives. How do you see Milwaukee or Wisconsin to recruit crews to make it a viable city? For you don't have to recruit crews. When the productions come, people follow. And I know people have moved out of L.A. to Atlanta. People are moving to New York. New York has amazing incentives. I actually just I rolled from one production to the other. One was shot in Vancouver because of the incentives. We came to New York. You can barely shoot in New York anymore because it's just so many crews are moving here. Um, so many shows are shooting here because the incentives are very, very good. Um, it, it, you, there's little, I mean, look, it's almost like anything else where there are jobs. People tend to flow. Uh, you know, they, they will go where there is work. They will go where there is good work. You know, Marvel is basically taken over. Uh, it, the, the Atlanta area, you know, they're shooting all over Georgia, but obviously Atlanta is where the, the hub of it is. Um, uh, DC Comics just started their DTC, direct to consumer service. They just put on some new shows. They'll shoot in the Atlanta area. Um, it, it's not, you know, it, it takes time. I don't want to say like you flip a switch and, and it's like electricity, the light just goes on. But at the same time, when work arrives, it, it's, it's, Folks who are looking for jobs are savvy, uh, and where the work is, and not just where the work is. Imagine how I mean, you know, uh, the difference between stretching your dollar in uh, New York or Atlanta versus Milwaukee. The quality of life in Milwaukee, uh, the gentle nature 
in Milwaukee. Um, the attention that people will give those early productions. Um, you know, you try to get a location in New York, they don't care. You know? <laughs> They're going to charge you whatever they charge you. Like, great. If you don't, you know, if, you, if you're not here, somebody else will be here. Um, going to places when we shot in Austin and people are excited about having you and having uh, productions. Uh, that also rubs off when people are excited about what happens when things go on. Uh, so it's, uh, I don't want to, one of the things, you know, people are very, they always ask me about incentives and everything. And they, they, you know, they ask as though, you know, I can, I can go to Madison and have a half hour meeting with the governor and the legislature the day after we're going to have, you know, there'll be incentives. It doesn't work like that. But at the same time, you know, Foxconn wants to get a deal. They get a deal. I'm not going to say whether it was a good or bad deal, but you know, that'll shake out in the end. Uh, When, Sports teams want new homes. You know, people are always excited about sports teams and what they represent and what they mean to the city and the soft revenue that they bring. I say soft versus hard. I don't really know the economics. I can't say whether there's a real benefit to that. But there's a belief that there's a benefit. So it's no different with uh, filmmaking, except that I can tell you as someone who's worked in the business that there is a tangible, there's a tangible benefit to the money that flows in because people do arrive at the space and they spend. Okay. Well, you, you speaking of Marvel, um, I know you, you you were interviewed about this, but uh, what does the success of Black Panther having a black director and like all black cast and people of color behind the scenes mean for people of color in the film industry? If it does or not, does it? Does it? You think it opens doors? You think it's changing? I mean, same thing. It means for I mean, a great question, but same thing that it means for Wonder Woman. Same thing it means for Crazy Rich Asians, for Get Out, Girls Trip, um, what have you. You know, the prevailing culture uh, sometimes sets up these narratives that well, nobody really wants to see a movie with all Asian cast. Well, you know, if you have a movie full of black ladies, it's only going to do so much. And we've seen, you know, year in, year out, that's not the truth. And that's going way back, whether it was Eddie Murphy or Will Smith, whomever. And when those films over-indexed, then there's a new narrative that, well, you know, there's not really black films, a crossover, and so that doesn't count. So the minute there's success, well, you know, there's, there's a qualification for it. Well, they're running out of qualifications for these kinds of successes, except that they're just successful. And audiences don't care. I mean, look, Black Panther was going to be huge if it was just an audience of people of color. It was a monster because everybody around the world wanted to see it. Same with Wonder Woman. Um, Crazy Rich Asians has done better, ironically, domestically than it has done in some places internationally. Uh, but am I surprised? No. <laughs> I'm not surprised in the least bit because I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over again, except that people, um, you know, the prevailing culture wants to contextualize some of these things. Um, or come up with excuses in their own mind why that one worked, but let's not get carried away in doing too many of them. So it opens doors. You know, the door is you know, continually cracks open. It doesn't open as far as it needs to. Um, but they are opening, and I can only hope that they will continue to open because we're behind the game. You know, we, the fact that, um, look, I'm, I'm, I could not be happier for whatever, Girls Trip, Black Panther, Get Out, but at the same time, you know, really, it's been 25 years since a film that had Asian leads in it. You know, where are the films? You know, Hispanics are the largest minority in America right now. Where are the films with top-lining Hispanic cast? I mean, whether you want to do good or whether you want to make money, it makes no sense that you don't see more of these films. 
So I'm happy for the success. I will be happier when um, somebody said once a long time ago, and I wish I'd said it, but I'm not that smart. You know, the big deal, they were talking about the NFL back when there were no black coaches. And somebody said the big deal isn't when there's a first black coach. The big deal is when um, the first black coach gets fired and nobody cares because it's just another coach transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be the big deal is not when, um, you know, the, oh my, you know, Black Panther is a cultural event or Crazy Rich Asians. It's when it's just another film that comes out. Maybe it does great, maybe it does poorly, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't have to be a litmus test for who we are and what we're about. Okay. Uh, on a lighter note, speaking of comics and Marvel movies and stuff, I know you've been involved in DC Comics and writing a lot of comics. Um, I know I read somewhere you're working on a series called The Other History of DC. First, how did you get involved in comic book writing? And were you always a fan of comic books? <laughs> and two, Yeah, I grew up reading. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Give me and, and two, can you expound i was reading a press release about this other history of dc universe which sounds very interesting can you explain that series and when can we expect to actually see that out yeah uh again let me start with the second one you know i can't tell you any more than kind of what's already out there um the other history of the dc universe is going to be a five-part series that really highlights characters at least to me that um, because of who they are, what they were about, or how they looked, or what their circumstances were, were always seminal characters to me. But at the same time, I think over the years, they were not given the due that they were deserved, that they deserved. And what is the history of the DC universe, but also what is the history of America and the world look like when that lens is shifted a little bit? You know, I, I, you know, for everybody, you know, how I see the world is different than how other people see the world. And I certainly, what I always call the prevailing culture, uh, they orient how the world is seen and how it is viewed. And what I want to do is tell a, tell stories that are uh, part personal history, part universe history. Now I talk about history, I'm talking about obviously the, the DC universe. And then part history of people and uh, society and events. So it should be, um, hopefully these, these five books will be, uh, thrilling and emotional and personal and have a, uh, sense of artistic, uh, uh, ethos to them. Um, but also the great thing about the, uh, black label that DC is, is doing is that they're all bespoke. They're all very unique. And they're all very artist-driven. So um, that's very exciting because the experience has been absolutely amazing. Um, I think solicitations for the first issue are getting ready to go out, so I can't really talk about that, but there should be an announcement soon as to when the books will be arriving. Um, but the one thing I can tell you, which you can use as an exclusive, there's been a lot of conversations about how many. I don't really – I'm not on social media. I don't pay attention, but <laughs> – I can tell you most everything on the internet is wrong, but you, if you tell people it's five, you can treat that as an exclusive. So five books. Five books. You can burn up the internet. I think the internet <laughs> is crazy for any little bit of tidbit of information. So you will, it may increase your Twitter followers by two by having that information. <laughs> and then, like, how did you get into comics? Like, into comic book writing? Was this? Were you doing this before film? Was this like after film? I mean, where this whole? I mean, I'm. I've seen you, you, you have a, a series called The American Way. You did a thing called yeah. Many Shades Heroism. 
how'd you get into this? And like, was it as a youth? Was it later in life? And what's some of your favorite comic books? Uh, it was much later in life. I grew up reading comic books. And, you know, when I was younger, I couldn't stand to read. And I think it drove my parents, drove my parents crazy. And they, uh, you know, I started reading comic books. They're like, great, if you're going to read, we'll buy them for you. And I used to buy them. And I used to read them. And I loved them. And, you know, part of the reason I think if I'm at all, if, if and I, I say if at all in capital letters, bold and italics, if at all I'm good at storytelling, a lot of it was learning sequential art. I mean, comic books, graphic novels are just storyboards. And how do you reduce the story to its essence? How do you tell it in the most efficient way? How do you line up a shot? How do you uh, lens up the action? Um, all of that is essential to storytelling. So it was much, 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 much later in life. I mean, I didn't start even getting into graphic novels. It was probably, you know, The American Way, which was my first, sort of serious um, creator on piece. That was 10 years ago, and I'd written two other series maybe a year or so prior. So 12 years ago, you know, I was over 38, 39, you know, approaching 40. I was no kid, certainly. <laughs> um, but it was just a real happenstantial, accidental tripping into it, and I did one series, and it turned out very, very well, and people liked it, and it was unusual and it was just it had a voice it had a voice and dc really appreciated that and they gave me another series and i had a voice and they appreciated it and they gave me another series and then at that point my film career was really really taking off i was right about when i was doing red tails and that was one thing into another and i just you know i was not writing monthly comic books um i really enjoyed the creator owned space at that time uh it was Wildstorm. Wildstorm got folded uh, yep. into the larger DC universe, so they stopped doing creator-owned, and that was a space that I wanted to play in. And so it just—I I stopped. I just figured, you know, I and mean, at some point, you, you know, the graphic novel space is, is great. The writers, the artists, they're, they're phenomenal. And you just sort of think, well, you know, they're good. They have people. They don't need me. And just at some point, uh, DC and I reconnected, and they were really excited about revisiting the American way and I pitched them the other history. They're excited about that. So I'm just, you know, fortunate to be living in a time where content is king and people need individuals who uh, know how to execute and execute very professionally. And so uh, to also have a point of view and voice and also be uh, a responsible creator, those are the things that kind of keep you going at some point. Um, they want quality and they want it efficiently and responsibly like anybody else you know business people want people who can execute the jobs and do it mm -hmm. in an efficient uh, an efficient way so i'm just fortunate to find good partners who support me um i got a couple more questions uh since we're on the comic books uh is there a comic book character or comic book that you would love to turn into a movie or write a screenplay for <laughs> Uh, yes, but I don't want to say because somebody will steal it and get it before me. <laughs> but yes. Okay. Very much so. Is it a DC character? I, I, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> also because I'm working for both companies in, in some capacity, so I can't. I have to manage my med. I have to be respectful to both companies. People, you know, I'm at a Marvel and then people are like, oh, I hate DC. And I'm like, oh, okay, I really can't support that comment. I'm just going to, uh, remain silent at a DC event. Ah, oh, DC's great. I hate Marvel. And go, okay, well, I. <laughs> Uh, I love DC too, but I can't support that entire comment. Um, you know, but they're, they're, they're both 
I've had great experiences with both. And by the way, I'm very lucky to be in the spheres of, of both companies. I mean, people would give their right arms to, to be around either. I'm, I'm very fortunate to, um, to be associated with both. And the final question deals with a segment we do called Five Songs We Can't Stop Listening To. And we have Gaston asking their, their song they can't stop listening to. What is your song and why? Uh, do you want? Do you need five or, or no? Just or, one. Or one. Just one just song. One. Um, it's any. I mean, uh, any any Chardé song. I can't stop listening. I can't pick one, but I mean, essentially, people they get you know iPods and streaming, and they have millions of songs at their fingertips. I just have a Chardé song. I, I, my kid, I drive my kids crazy. I drive my wife crazy. Mm. It's just. All day, every day, Chardonnay. She's perfect for every circumstance. There's no bad circumstance for a Chardonnay song. It right. really isn't. Why Chardonnay? Is there a reason why? Why? Because she's the greatest songstress who ever listens to li- lived. I, I can't, you know, why does the sun come up every morning? I don't know, because that's the way God intended it to be. So God intended Chardonnay to be the greatest songstress ever. So I just have to acknowledge that, you know? There's a report that she is working on new music. According to her manager, by the way, just let you know. She better be. I'm, I, you know, it'll make my wife and kids happy. Like, thank God, there's another song. Uh, you know, that would make me very, very happy. And um, she's one of the people that was like highest on my list of please one day could I just meet her. So sweet, so nice, doesn't disappoint, so classy, just, just, just great. So that was off my bucket list meeting Charday, but really did not disappoint in terms of just being um, both um, luminescent, but down to earth, and not everybody can pull that off. And uh, one thing, what what's, what can uh, we share, what can you share that what you're working on people can expect to see in the near future? Can you share anything about Nothing. Nothing? It's all super top secret. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, let me put it this way. I've, uh, very, very nicely, it says very nicely, but I've, I've arrived at the point in my career where the things I'm working on, you got to sign a non-disclosure agreement to work on them, which is where you really, now you know you're in the, the big time. So um, I actually printed one and I have it framed on one of my desks on my first non-disclosures, but it's like, okay, now I'm in, now I'm in the big time. So it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Um, but very sincerely, I can't, I can't quite talk about the stuff I'm working on now. I, like I said, I just shot this film, uh, Needle in the Time Stack, that we just we just, just wrapped that with Leslie Odom, Cynthia Erivo, and Frida Pinto, and Orlando Bloom. Really, really talented young actress, Jaden Wong. Really terrific. So I look forward to that coming out next year. But that's that, and that's no secret. Okay. Oh, thank you. And uh, again, congratulations on No Studios. I was supposed to be at the opening, thank you. Um, but I forgot I'm in Atlanta for Afropunk Atlanta, so I will miss the great Oh, well, that sounds cool. <laughs> so I can't blame you for being at a cool, cool event. Well, thank you, and best of luck. And uh, again, congratulations on No Studios and your love of Milwaukee. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time and attention. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.